It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, this is Jason Squires. Uh, welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, and it's going to get confusing today because there are two Jasons having a conversation. There is. Jason Harris, how's it going, man? Nice to be with you. Uh, I'm excited. Hey, we're in a, we're in a new month. Um, but before we get to our topic and our content, let's, I mean, we've talked, we've, we've talked on this podcast a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've, you're, tell us, tell us, a little, tell us about you and like, um, and you, you've been on all the mentor chats and everything, but yeah. This is this is this is your moment. This is your moment. Ah, tell us, tell us about you. No, first and foremost, I'm a worshiper of Jesus Christ and a child of God. That's where you start. That's um, right. I'm a husband. I'm a father of three. Um, I've been graced to hold the title of worship leader and worship pastor for over 20 years in different environments. Amen. Different churches, and uh, currently I'm the uh, the senior director of worship and production at Browncroft Community Church. Uh, and I've been here since 2010 um, and done a lot of things over the, the times and seasons. And uh, most recently, over the past couple years, I founded an internship program. And then also, I'm the associate director of the Worship Leader Institute. Um, in that, I've been able to curate content and work with presenters uh, to help equip and train worship leaders and their teams. And so it's a little bit about me, um, but it's great to be with you. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, we're, we're, this month we're talking about expectations. Yeah. Those are those. That's a fun word. It's a mm-hmm. fun word. They uh, they can sometimes have a bad connotation. Like people think expectations, and we've all heard that phrase, like unspoken expectations that can be placed on people. Um, with your teams, and you talked about. We're gonna talk a little bit in a minute about your intern program, but like, how do you communicate to your team what you like, what you expect from them? Like, how does that how does that look for you in in, in where you're at? Yeah, I think there's two big things when it comes to expectations. First, lead with your actions. Two, lead with your words. Mm. Um, so uh, expectations lead with your actions and words. Um, so the unspoken part of the expectations is usually when it's your expectations are just kind of communicated through your culture or maybe just your actions. Um, and that's not totally a bad place to start, um, but you also need to communicate it with your words. Use your yeah. words. Use your um, words. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if it's just our actions, um, and I, I probably lean more to actions and words second, but you need both. And I've learned that along the way uh, because I've found that oftentimes just our actions can be misinterpreted. Mm. And, and I find when it's just like when something needs to be explained, I get questions or, or comments like from volunteers or stuff like, why don't you like me? Or why don't you do it? Like, <laughs> like that? Or... Um, it's something like I have a frustration and I don't know why I'm frustrated with, yep. with somebody or, or something. And it's like, okay, then I have to think of like, what do I need to say to them? What, what do I need to say? Use your words, Jason. Use your words. That, um, I love that. In that, how do I then speak my values, speak the expectations out, out loud. And then as we, as we live them out. Um, so when I think about 
building expectations and how they don't have to be a bad thing. They're only a bad thing if they're silent or if they're mm. the wrong, if they're the wrong thing. Um, because expectations, uh, I think they have to, they have to be built around a vision. Like you have to have a vision for your ministry or vision for what you're doing and why. And so when I think about communicating that, like there's never a bad time to cast vision. Um, so as a, as a leader, I think like make times to cast vision. Yep. Um, thinking about every time that you're gathered, whether it be a rehearsal or a Sunday morning, um, at Browncroft, we've started like worship conferences just for our team so that we can grow together. But I see them as just an opportunity to cast vision together and then reassert some of the expectations that we have. Um, other things that we do, like figure like every email I send, every text, every community, um, conversation that I have, that's a chance to just reinforce, not the expectations, but reinforce the vision of what we're going after. And then as we have that vision, think about like, we're really good at telling about like what we want to do, yeah, how we want to do it. But in expectations and really working with your team, think about the why and the heart. Like think about the heart of what you, why you're making a change and then explain to people, explain to your team, like why you want to do that and why it's important and really the heart behind it. Um, and less about the what and the how, because that will come second when people understand the heart and the why behind any expectation that you come together. Totally. I love that. This the over communicate your vision. There's never, you said something like there's never a bad time to communicate your vision. Never a bad time. Never a bad time. And I think that's, it's, a, it's missed. We think yeah. like, oh, you're a part of this. So you just know what we're doing, or you know how, you know what to, you, you, you know what it should look like. And but oftentimes those those things are just what's in your head and they haven't necessarily yeah. been communicated. One thing I always come back to with stuff like this is the um, the three different learning styles um, mm-hmm. with auditory learners, visual learners, and kinesthetic learners and how each one of them process um, the information that's coming in. So you may have to actually also when you're communicating, communicate it in different ways yeah. and, and make sure that you're not just saying it, but you're writing it and you're doing it. Um, and so kinesthetic being doing visual being seeing and auditory being hearing. And so, um, but yeah, is that now you, uh, you said there's, you kind of always find ways to communicate those things. Are you, um, do you guys do like team nights where you kind of go over some of these things or how does yeah, that, is it corporate, is it corporate, on, uh, worship conferences so that this is just for our team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but even like worship nights, um, like we actually have a worship night coming up this weekend. Uh, and every Sunday morning is a chance to speak those same expectations, those visions and values to your entire congregation, because your team is really a part of the congregation. You're there to shepherd and pastor your congregation and your team's a part of that. Um, and so I think, you know, casting the worship vision, not just to your volunteers, but to your entire church, yep. is a way to reinforce that. And then I think you also have to live it out. So there's the the reverse of like, okay, the unspoken expectations are also the empty accountability, mm-hmm. um, the the reverse of that. And so when you have expectations, um, and hopefully you speak them out loud, that you also have uh, a kind of accountability to those expectations so that you, with your team together, go like, hey, we're going to live this out. Our actions are going to match our words. Um, and then together, we're going to move toward um, toward our vision together. No, yeah. that's huge. Now, um, do you find, uh, 
how do you kind of course correct if you if you see somebody who is not meeting the expectations? Is that um, is that a, is that something you address immediately, or how do you how do you kind of um, you know we're dealing with volunteers, but how do you you know nudge them back to the correct space? Depends at what level of of volunteer and leadership. So my leadership team, so I have a volunteer leadership team and a staff. So we have actually signed commitments that we've gone over. Like these are the qualifications, these are the expectations, and they're actually pretty high. Mm-hmm. But there's a level of accountability of like, hey, for the next year, this is what we're going to go after together. This is what it takes. And so there's a level of both peer accountability and just like, hey, I've signed on to this. Yep. Um, and so that's really, really easy um, and important that like to, to be able to like, hey, we're going after this together and let me help you as you help me. And then for the, the larger aspect of our team, um, the, the, the qualifications and the commitments a little bit less, but when we have, Hey, this is what it takes. This is what we, you know, expect you, we expect you to be prepared. We expect you to memorize music. We expect you to play to a click. We expect you to, you know, act. And then there's the whole spiritual side of things too, because we are pastors and we're shepherds, we're leading people. Um, so we have certain expectations on that. Uh, I would say there's two different things from that level of team. Um, I would think of, is it a one-time thing or is it a pattern? Yep. Because I think we need to, um, to lead with grace as well. And, you know, people sleep in sometimes it happens. I've done it, Uh, you know? And so if they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like I won't do, I'll set two alarms next time. Like, that's like, awesome. Like, thank you for letting me know. Thank you for texting me when you woke up. Um, you know, that's cool. But if it becomes a pattern or even if that isn't like, um, even in that first time, you might want to reassert kind of like an expectation, like, Hey, you know, that we're trying to get here at 7am, but it happens. It's all right. Um, when it becomes a pattern, then you do need to address it. What I'll usually try to do is either address it with first, I might have one of our peer leaders address it first, um, because that comes down a little, um, gentler than coming me as like the leader. Yep. Coming from me as the leader. And so, but after that, I'll usually come with, uh, either it depends on what the situation is. Sometimes it'll just be me. Um, and other times it'll be with my leader team or one or two of my other leaders, uh, that are volunteers that are holding themselves to even a higher commitment. Um, but are also volunteers, yep. uh, to be able to, to move ahead and course correct and even provide some accountability to our larger volunteer team. Totally. And I think if you don't do that, uh, you start building a uh, tension with people who are like, I got here on specifically with the on time expectation. Yeah. Like you people like I got here on time and we were ready to go. And this person's always late. And yeah. Like, and then that's just kind of snowballs kind of turns into that elephant in the room that needs to be addressed. And so we can do our purpose and be yeah. successful. You said uh, oversleeping. And I, uh, one time I overslept um, taking my in-laws to the airport early in the morning. And I woke up past when I was supposed to be there to a phone call asking me if I was coming and that was a long that was a long drive to the airport where I was like I am so sorry I am so sorry I am never I'm not I don't do mornings well and I'm sorry that I drove to the anyway so but it was a fun you should one never ask a musician to not to even kind of yeah they I actually haven't since on their early morning flights 
They're like, it's early morning. We're, we're not going to ask you this time. Oh, I guess I, it's fine. I get it. I know. They, I totally adjusted their expectations. That's right. Exactly. And that's exactly. sometimes when we like, and thinking about it, sometimes we do have to reassess our expectations. Like, yep. We have to, we're leading our teams together. And sometimes even though our vision says like, Hey, we're going to go to that mountaintop. Remember you might be at the foothills. Yep. And your, your vision might be up there, but you might not be able to get to the mountain next week or the, the pinnacle of the mountain. You might have to say, okay, what's the next step and what's the right expectation? What's the right vision? What's the right you know, commitment level for where our team's at um, and be able to adjust. And I think even like building that vision and those values and commitments, like involve your team in them, like really help let them, even your volunteer leaders, let them set some of the expectations. If you have a common why, a common vision, a common heart, they'll actually come out with them. Yep. Um, and you don't even say it uh, because they're they're leading the charge. And then, then you're going to almost be able to partner with them in that, which is really cool. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about this, but like what, what does your onboarding process look like for bringing volunteers on? Is this, I mean, the expectations I'm assuming are being communicated when people are coming in to join your team, but like, what are you doing? You mentioned also mentioned contracts or signing agreements, but like, talk to us a little bit about how you guys bring. That's a common question in churches. Like, yeah. like how do we do this? What can we better our process? Can we better how we bring people into what it is that we're doing? Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So when someone comes up to me or they email me, uh, usually I ask them first, like, what's your story? I just want to find out about them. Yep. Um, like, who are they? Um, how long have they been attending Browncroft or our church? Um, and because we want them to be a part of our church before they actually are part of the team. Um, we want them to be actively involved in um, some kind of community or at least be committed to the church for several months before we'll even audition them. So I want to hear that. I want to hear their journey with Christ um, and you know how I might be able to partner with them and why they're even, you know, want to audition. Um, yeah. and so I'll just start that sometimes we'll even invite them. So we have these, uh, worship conferences for our team. If you've contacted me to that, you're interested in joining our team. I'll invite you to that. Oh, like, cool. Even pre auditions, like just come see what our culture is all about. Come see and be a part of our team before actually, even before an audition, um, see if it's something that you want to be part of. And then, um, from there, we do have an audition process. Uh, and so uh, first, what I'll ask them to do is with their story, I'll usually ask them to send me at least one or two videos. Okay. Um, and really from that perspective, it's really to know, okay, where what's the starting point? Yep. What's the starting point? So that I don't go into an audition having no clue um, the, the capability. And having that helps me steer how the audition goes in advance. Um, and so, uh, thinking about that, like, uh, so, but in an audition, uh, if they come in and we, we literally, this is like the dream shot, a guy moved here, you know, a year and a half ago, he played at another large church for, for years, moved here a year and a half ago and has been attending our church for six months and said, Hey, I can drum. And he sent me stuff and I was like, okay, you can use in-ears, you can use tracks, you have the right heart, the right vision. And you moved here because of work and he's slotted right into our team and he's been amazing. Um, other people um, sometimes have never worked with in-ears, never like can barely sing harmony, can, 
yep. but hold down a really solid melody and have a really great potential. Well, I'm going to work with them on a slower process um, and to be able to coach them and give them and set each person that tries out uh, a place to succeed and their place to grow. Um, so, yeah, so we have an audition process. After that, they begin to shadow um, and work with one of our lead volunteers. So they'll come to a couple of rehearsals just shadowing. Um, from there, they begin to integrate into some of our off Sunday, um, worship services. So we have a worship service at Celebrate Recovery, at student ministry, at some of our off Sunday, uh, environments just to be able to build into the team dynamic. And then as you continue to grow, um, you step into the Sunday morning team. Um, and we say some people like their, their role is to, to be able to be a part of the, the larger team within Celebrate Recovery or yeah. student ministry. Um, occasionally someone isn't invited to all of those, any of those teams and that's okay. Yep. Even in that process, I'm giving them stuff to work on, um, areas of growth and say, Hey, let's, let's meet again in six, 12 months. These are some things to work on and continue to grow your craft. Um, so yeah, there's some of the things we, uh, we do to on-ramp and onboard people. Yeah. Awesome. Do you, um, in the onboarding process, do you, uh, sorry, in the auditioning process, I should say, do you like schedule that to where like, there's a lot of auditions at once or do you kind of, is it like we do auditions quarterly or kind of like, or as they come kind of, what is your, even as they come, we have done them in the past, um, where there's like a big serve movement or something in the church. Yeah. And that will kind of block it. We'll get a, a team of our, you know, lead volunteers together and then we'll work through them together um but usually it's more like onesie twosies uh like as they come to be able to walk in that way you can give people personalized attention as well um the downside is you feel like that you're always onboarding you're always in the process but you are always in the process you're always leading people wherever they're at Uh, and so and that's the the beauty of having like a, a volunteer leadership team because it can't just be on you as the worship leader like you have to have a team that has that, Hey, we're all working with helping this person grow. Um, yep. Now that works really well with musicians. How do you do that with tech? Cause you're not necessarily like auditioning this. How do you audition a sound guy or audition somebody for lighting or whatever, if you guys are doing cameras or kind of, how does that, how does that differ from, um, yeah. from like playing guitar and playing piano? It differs a ton. Um, and so sound is the one difference. So, but from cameras, we'll teach from ground up. Okay. Lighting. Um, it's all about aptitude. And so you'll shadow for a while. You'll be a L2, um, for a while before you switch and then you become an L1 and then your trainee or trainer, uh, becomes the L2. Um, same with our video directors and our producers, like you'll shadow for a while. Usually our video directors and producers, uh, always were you always cameramen and women beforehand so they understand the language they've been yep. a part of the team and when that's almost like a leadership level where you're you're now overseeing a camera team so you don't yep. try out to become be a director um off the street like you are asked to step into that role from within our team gotcha um and then um from an audio perspective are we actually uh that's a quasi staff position um, but we yeah, are right for, for us. Um, but we are always training. So a couple of different places of training, one shadowing, usually they're also good musicians. And so, um, and we think of that 
the sound engineer is the master musician. Like they are the musician of all the musicians. Yep. Um, and so thinking about it that way, there's a lot to process and a lot to understand. It's both technical and musical. Um, and so there's a longer on-ramp, but some of the places that we do besides just shadowing in our services is also shadowing in some of those same places like Celebrate Recovery, Student Ministry, some of those off Sunday parts. And when they're ready, we begin to switch. The other places also are online stream. Okay. So we have a second um, audio mixer um, that just mixes for our online stream. Okay. It's the same. It's a very similar layout. Um, there's a soundboard that they're mixing through. Um, and then they're able to work with EQ. And then that's a very easy place for us to record their mix because it's recorded on YouTube and everywhere else and go back and to be able to evaluate what they did with compression and EQ and, and all that kind of stuff and how they mix the band. Because the, the hard thing with Love some it. of them is we, re, we like to record everything because recording we record our re- rehearsals. Okay. Because it allows us to be able to go back and provide feedback. Yep. Um, and so if we don't have that, especially if I'm on stage or if I'm MD or if I'm on a certain role, like I'm only remembering what's right there, but having it all recorded allows me to go back, listen to it and then provide feedback going into Sunday or going in advanced weeks. Yeah. So you mentioned at the top of the podcast that you have developed an intern team and that's kind of a heartbeat, like a passion of yours. What's tell us a little bit about the heartbeat behind that. And cause I know you just, it's something that you've developed recently mm-hmm. And, um, like what is, what is kind of driving that? Yeah. The driving part of it is actually a sad thing. (laughs) Um, with just like all the Barna studies and all that, that I read is like worship leaders and young leaders are burning out in ministry every two to three years or they're cycling through. And some of them are going to other churches every two to three years. And some of them are just burning out. Yep. Um, and that's just not a healthy way to live. That's not a healthy way to be the church. Um, that's not a a healthy thing for the future of the church. And so I went to our leaders, like, how do we change that? How do we begin to put an emphasis? And so, um, we developed and I developed the, the internship program, which is all about equipping young adults for healthy ministry. Um, so there's a couple different sides of that. Um, first, it's not just worship. It is worship in production, but, uh, we also have interns within communications within, uh, student ministry, kids ministry, we're de- opening that up into um, adult discipleship and having uh, interns that are all over different levels of ministry with different giftings. But there's still foundational leadership principles and um, that are important. And so we focus on spiritual uh, growth. Like how do we help leaders um, focus on their own spiritual growth and give them the tools to be able to, to grow. And these are all young adults. So it's 18 to 24. Okay. So, uh, they're either in college or college age or around that, you know, uh, pre-vocation age. Um, and so, and then, uh, leadership development. So we, we spend uh, some time with some leadership curriculum, um, from a spiritual side of things. We also do, uh, the rooted program, which is out of Mariner's church. And, uh, it's a great 10 week, uh, curriculum to kind of get the one Oh one, theology and principles of your faith. Uh, and it's a great place to dialogue about your faith as well. And then, um, in developing curriculum for the internship, uh, we, it, a lot of it, the first half of it's very structured and the second half is very unstructured at the beginning. And it's really about the goals and setting personal goals and to be able to help them achieve it. So 
Yeah. So that's a little bit the heartbeat and I also love it. what it is. Um, but the heartbeat is really then to be able to release uh, young leaders with some of the tools. Because you can only, it's a 10-week internship. We, some of these have actually become our staff. Some of them we have released to other churches. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's amazing to be able to say, okay, now use these tools and we'll still be here. You can call us up. We have that relationship going forward. Um, but we want to so, give you the tools to be able to then have healthy ministry. So you said just that it's a 10 week program. So you're doing, is it, is it like an intensive 10 weeks? Or is it, I mean, 10 weeks. So it's a summer internship. And then we um, often have summer uh, year long interns based off of the 10 week summer internship. Oh, cool. Um, and on those 10 weeks that they're at summer, are they filling roles at the church on Sunday morning? Um, or so is that sort of separate? Filling roles. Well, you know what I mean. Is are they, so They're they doing are, things on Sunday morning as well. Doing things. So within the worship and production team, um, the first three to four weeks, no matter what, are really just shadowing different roles. Okay. And getting to know our team culture and getting to know our team and... Um, how we lead and then having questions midweek and then asking the whys and the hows and really asking and being giving an opportunity for us to show and tell the heartbeat of yep. our ministry here before ever letting them step foot into something. And so even I remember this past year, it was like, when do I get to sing? When do I get to do this? And I was like, it'll come, <laughs> but I want you to learn the heartbeat of who we are Yeah. before, because it becomes about the music. Yep. Because I want you to lead our people um, as, a, as a leader, not just sing a good song. And right. to be able to do that, I want you to understand who we are um, because that's more important, uh, especially as you're thinking of long term. Because I'm like, you're here for 10 weeks. You might be here for a year, but eventually, most likely, you're going to be ministering to another place. And you'll always have those musical skills. You'll always have those technical skills that we want to teach you. But what's more important is understanding the heartbeat of ministry. Talk to the person who's sitting here thinking like, I have a heart to develop people, but I don't have people to develop. Like that's a, like I know I've talked to a lot of guys that are like, gosh, I just want to help. Like I want to pour into people, but like I turn around and there's no one there to pour into. Yeah. Like, what do you say to that person? Who's kind of like, that's a common, that's a very common frustration of like, like they're, how do I, I want to, I can, I have, I have things to give. I have a heart to teach. I have a heart to help but I'm, there's nobody there when I turn around. What is that? Uh, I think the first thing is always be developing yourself. Mm. So start there. Like always be leading yourself first. Um, and what, what are you working on? What are you growing on? Um, what are you working on that might someday be willing to share with others? Um, but really, how are you developing your own skills, your tools, um, your leadership style and skills? And I think start there. Yeah. Uh, then develop those in front of you, um, before taking on any interns or taking on anybody, just who do you have and what, how do you like, who's a part of your team or who is at your church? Um, whether it be a 14 year old drummer or whether it be a 74 year old electric guitar player or somewhere in between, yeah. That's um, right. and just develop those who you do have in it and see and develop those relationships. Don't think about like what the end goal is really in developing those relationships, just build the relationships first and then go from there. Um, but then if you want to go outside of that, um, uh, build the relationships and maybe build some of the relationships even outside of your church. Who are the other leaders? Who are the other 
Um, people, if, if you're at a place where you want to go beyond your church walls, then go there. Develop relationships with other with other worship leaders, with other volunteers, um, and see what doors open up. I think of the first person who asked me to, to coach them was actually a, a worship pastor who was dating one of my uh, vocalists. And he had just gotten a job, was a part-time worship leading job at another church. And he was like, hey, I would love to learn from you. And my, actually it wasn't wife, but now they're married. Um, But my girlfriend says like, you'd be amazing at this. And if I hadn't been building that relationship with my vocalist, that opportunity might have never actually happened with a man. Um, And so, and 10 years later, he's in full-time ministry. So it's amazing. Um, that's it's awesome. It's been amazing to see him grow. And we spent probably the first year meeting every other week of intentional, um, time and wrestling, especially with a lot of those first year things of how to get the relationship with the senior pastor and understanding where your church is at, how to grow that to then be able to see him, you know, eight to 10 years later, still in ministry and thriving. So, so good. Yeah. Um, as we, as we kind of wrap up the podcast today, what, do you have any more thoughts on just expectations in the church and and worship leading and kind of things to, that that we that we might have missed? Yeah, I don't know if we missed it, but I think just love the people that you're you're surrounded with. Yeah, uh, and don't always be thinking about who else could we be bringing in. Sometimes that's necessary, but really love the people well. Um, and if you're setting expectations, as we we said this, you know, really know. Um, allow the people, allow your volunteer team to really have a voice in both, even allow them to have a heart, part of the heartbeat, yep. share the heartbeat with them. Um, because that way, it, when you have a shared vision, you're going to be able to accomplish a lot more. If you're going uh, out it by yourself, um, there's things that you're going to miss. There, You're going to be either frustrated or you're, you might even go in the wrong direction. But as you move together, you can create a culture and a dynamic that's just really good. And then your actions, your values, your expectations just fall in line as you move together with your team. Expectations and vision are almost like the, it's almost like the boundary to work within. And if you yeah. don't, if you don't have that, then you're kind of just wandering aimlessly and it, you don't and have a direction. I think even they can become the boundaries of how you create your culture. Yep. You want to have a culture that's worth replicating. Um, and so if you if you have the right expectations, sometimes your culture is like, hey, how do we craft the culture to better match our values and our expectations and our vision? Yeah. And so that, that's some really fun conversations. I love it. So uh, I'm going to ask you the food question that we like to wrap up the podcast with. Um, if I was coming over to your house for dinner, what would be on the table? What would you... Uh, conversation happens over food. We've had a, we've had some of these in our mentor chats, but like, what uh, what was you guys? What is the Harris family? What do you guys put on the table for? Uh, well, first, as a good host in 2022, I would ask you if there are any dietary restrictions with your family. Oh, that's a good question. But <laughs> that's a good. Do a lot. It's really true. That's um, good. No, that's good. That's a good step. But then it would probably be some kind of protein and carbs because that's kind of what we live off of. So okay. like spaghetti and meatballs or sausage and meatballs or maybe some Filipino dish like and meatballs. Pancit, no. and, <laughs> and pancit or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something like that. But protein and carbs is kind of what we live off of. 
love it. I love um, it. How do we? How can we? Uh, how can we connect with you? How can we connect uh, with? Uh... You can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, so J Harris W L on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you can just connect with me at Browncroft Browncroft uh, Community Church up in Rochester. Ah, oh, so good. I appreciate you hanging out today, man. I know you got yeah. you got a lot of things going on. I appreciate the taking time to to just pour into worship leaders and. Uh, share share what it is that you're doing and kind of your passion for the church and um, just to see people grow and uh, following their following their passions to be better. Yeah, so good, Jason. Thank you for having me. No worries. We will see you guys next week.